Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very pleased to be joined uh, by an old friend who has not been on the show yet. So I'm very happy to get Mark Davis onto the show. Mark was the CEO of a company called Mosin. He's now headed back to a role in education where he's been doing education jobs of various capacities over the past 20 uh, plus years when I've known him. Before we get to any of that, Mark, I just wanted to welcome you to the show. So welcome to Trending in Education. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So truth be told, this episode is about to drop on April 20th, which is a day when many folks uh, are curious about the cannabis industry. And we're going to talk about Mark's experiences there shortly. But before we go there, Mark, uh, you have a long and storied history in education in different capacities. Can mm -hmm. you walk us through what got you to this point in your professional life? And I hear there's some professional news that you may want to share as well. So take us on your journey as a professional. Sure. Yeah. I started uh, actually teaching at Santa Monica High School uh, in ninth grade uh, humanities class. That was my entry point in there. And then quickly pivoted and uh, went to work when Kaplan had acquired the SCORE Learning Centers and uh, wanted to do some intervention after school work in LA Unified. And I started working there in 1998 and quickly pivoted and running some of the same model type centers in New York and Washington Heights and then managed a couple of schools out in Philadelphia. That's when we met uh, yeah. when I was working, working out in New York doing that and got involved on the sales side as we grew through No Child Left Behind being passed. And then Kaplan's K-12 group expanded and I expanded kind of some of my roles getting on the implementation side and then quickly moving into the sales side, sales management and mm -hmm. then moved to the West Coast and built out some business out there, then moved back to the East Coast. Um, you were living I mean, the dream. To, you were you were climbing living, the climbing through the the, yeah. the 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 professional world as someone who understood education, sales, and general management, and that's gotten you places. Where from Kaplan? Where, what was next? So I went in a couple of different for profits and then some nonprofits. I worked for a company called Catapult Learning, Achieve Three Thousand, and then a nonprofit, the CFY, which is now Power My Learning. Great company, great program. So I learned a little bit both on on the for profit side and the not-for-profit side, but both doing services within the outside part of K-12. So not working for a district or not working in the capacity of someone in a school site management, but actually coming at it from the outside and different perspectives where you're working with teachers. So I then worked for a company called Dollars Delivery Systems, which did a lot of professional development training for teachers. So my career has mainly been coming at the educational world and trying to help either on the student side or the teacher side or the administration side from the outside. Yep. And usually doing more supplemental services, although there was a period of cap and we actually did write core curriculum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So real depth of experience and specializing in K-12 and, mm -hmm. and then full circle, it sounds like you're coming back into that capacity most recently, but there was a brief stint in here, uh, four uh -huh. years worth of a stint where you launched a company called Mosen. Yes, M-O-Z-E-N. Yeah. Uh, it means balance in Hebrew. So we were all about find your balance. And uh, it was after we sold uh, and I was part of, I was the interim CEO selling out the assets of knowledge delivery systems, KDS. And in December of 2016, which obviously was right after the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. So you had the federal election and, and Trump coming in and Betsy DeVos as the secretary yeah. of education. And then you had the California 
which was then passing full legalization and that same election cycle. Yep. And so uh, in California had quasi cannabis legislation for about 20 years where it was medical. Yep. Uh, but it really wasn't fully legalized. But so they went through a full legalization ballot initiative, which passed. And so as I was selling our business and these two events politically were happening yeah. where you had California taking kind of this leap of faith into full legalization and you had Betsy DeVos running the Department of Education with Trump as president, it was, it was time to start selling some weed. <laughs> there was writing was on the wall and there were, you were perhaps anticipating uh, a chilling effect uh, in the educational space. And then things uh, in California were heating up in the cannabis space. And, and four years as an entrepreneur is multiple lifetimes and good job by you yep. to get through the four years that, that you were able to manage. And then mm. just recently you've sold the company. Is that right? Yep. yep. Yeah. So just, can, uh... Yeah. Can you characterize maybe some lessons learned or some experiences there? Cause one of the things that I always find interesting is looking at adjacencies to education and opportunities to take things you learn in one space and apply it somewhere else. And a lot of our listeners are trying to understand trends and things that are emerging. Uh, Big picture cannabis is a trend that is continuing to move towards broader legalization and there are industries that are emerging around it. Any thoughts on your experiences, lessons learned? Yeah, I think part of it, like when we came at this, it was my brother and I that started this business and it was really a brand. So it was a, it was a brand play within the cannabis space. Uh, we were a white label company. We didn't have a manufacturing license or a sales distribution license. We, we were limited in the amount of funds. So most of the contacts I had or he had in private equity weren't willing to get into the cannabis space. So it was a lot of friends and family money that we were raising yeah. to build the business. And so that limitation on funds limited how deep we can go. We couldn't buy machines and we weren't going into like actual extraction processes and farming and growing. One, we didn't have the experience in that area yeah. and two, the cash to compete in that area. So what we did know is sales and marketing and branding and doing some stuff, sourcing out of China. And that's got us into building a lifestyle brand. So the cold, our goal was building this lifestyle brand that we thought that was missing within the space, mm -hmm. that there was a lot out there, your traditional stoner brands and your Cheech and Chon vernacular, yep. your heavy hitters, your brass knuckles and people like really going after the heavier user, which was still driving a majority of the business. And then you had your more touchy medicinal, like trying to cure cancer and helping mm -hmm. people with patients and cancer as a healing, uh, yep. the healing of the plant. And I'm just trying to get through Thanksgiving dinner with the relatives. How do I get through soccer practice? <laughs> so we had very specific examples of things yeah. that, you know, okay, like uh, I'd love to cure cancer and I, I'm not going to go sit around with a bag of Cheetos and watch Caddyshack for the fourth time. I, I, I got kids, I got a life. What about for the professionals and the people, yep. uh, parents and people that were running their lives? And now cannabis is in a way where hey, they're not going to bong out in the garage and come in smelling like a Colombian sauna. They want to be able to wave but that they can still enjoy the benefits of the plant. And it's come so far in the science and technology around that and yeah. the understanding of it. But you do it in a way where they can get through their life and they're, they're functional. 
and mm-hmm. and now it's it's a different. Hey, our biggest competitors when we went after this, we thought was pharmaceuticals and looking at the opiate addictions and some of the other things on the pharmaceutical side. Okay, as opposed to drinking or as opposed to using pharmaceuticals, cannabis is is designed now in such a way that was the play for us. Is, mm-hmm. And part of it then bringing back into the education was educating the consumer about that because yeah. the consumer was not used to hearing those kind of messages. Mm-hmm. And the, they knew what they knew from college. They knew what they knew from from whatever uh, media about cannabis and they didn't understand, like, hey, is there a way that we actually had uh, two of our SKUs and our pens were dialed back in the octane, low percentages of THC mixed with a high percentage of CBD, mm-hmm. which was a more relaxing formula. Yeah, And so helping your consumer understand that, hey, we really came at it for marketing and educating people around their ailments. Are you having trouble sleeping? Are you having issues with anxiety? Do you need a little energy? Do you have issues with sex or whatever it may be? We had formulas that were designed to deal with those issues. Mm -hmm. And some were a little stronger than others. Some were a little weaker from a strength of THC, but right for the moment for the, what those people were looking for because, yeah. Hey, if you're going to sit at home and crank out some spreadsheets, uh, you need to focus. And so mm-hmm. you needed to find a profile uh, of formula and we had vape pens. They were disposable vape pens. And with that, you bring in certain aspects of the plant. You also can bring in uh, something called terpenes. And those terpenes were more important than the strains people were talking about in the normal world of cannabis. It was instead of kosher kush or pineapple express or these different strains, that wasn't as important to the end user as you're using myrcene as a terpene, which then helps someone sleep who is mm-hmm. having supple sleep issues. And there's yeah. other different terpenes that are helping that person focus, or there's another yeah. terpene that helps someone have aphrodisiac qualities. Right. It almost reminds me of the molecular gastronomy movement. And then the same thing around wine, where it's be- the more scientific elements of the breaking down of the component parts that cause different types of reactions and then mixing them together. So you would hire the equivalent of like your brewmaster. There is someone who's responsible. Can you talk through how the operation was set up? Yeah, so working with our manufacturer, which was up in Oakland, that was exactly it. We set aside the kind of profiles. We started with four of them that we wanted for the end result of the formula. Again, something focused a little stronger, indica-based that helps someone sleep. And then something was dialed down for just anxiety and sex aphrodisiac qualities, uh, a more chill than something that was a little more pep and, hey, more energy. You're going to go out with your friends and have a good time and have some fun. Uh, and then there was, hey, I need some focus and where you're dialing back the strength, but you're also trying to not like necessarily chill, but actually get focused on something. And so with that, it was going through various terpene formulas, which is again, a balance of smell and taste as creating certain emotions into the end user. Mm-hmm. So it was less you know, important that we were using strain X for that formula as it was we were using limamine or pinene or these different yeah. terpenes. So these different, and, and then doing that in a way, as you mentioned, like the gastronomy and like some of the wine movements, we didn't want to be too complicated. So all I was trying to keep it simple. Like you walk into a dispensary, which is a place where you can buy cannabis. It's a very overwhelming experience, even for someone like myself that smoked their share 
of cannabis earlier in life, I'd walk in there and be very confused. Now, how's my wife going to deal with that walking into that situation? So part of it was really trying to create both packaging and marketing and educating the consumer and educating the bud tenders and the people that were going to talk about this in a way that was not too complicated, that didn't use a lot of scientific terminology that just cut to the chase. So yep. we did that just like a naming a formula. Good night was the name of the formula that helped people sleep. Mm-hmm. And rest and chill was the name of the formula that helped people quote, rest and chill. So we yeah. tried to we put dots on the pens. How strong this was, was four dot pen or out of four or three out of four or two out of four to, so people could understand, okay, this is not that strong. Mm-hmm. It, it really was more the effects-based marketing and education of what you were trying to do and keeping it simple, both mm-hmm. the way we use disposable pens that didn't need uh, to be charged up. They didn't need to have a complex battery that screwed screwed into a cartridge. We thought that was just simple enough. People could travel with it. People could gift it. Yeah. It's just so uh, again, our motto was always simple and safe. Yeah. Uh, and and high quality. And we thought that connected really well to the demo, which was much more professional, a suburban, a little older, and just they weren't looking for kind of complex answers to uh, here's 30 different wines you could pair with your fish, right. which is like, you know, just give, so, me, so give much, me a Chardonnay and let me get on with my life. Yeah, But make it be a good Chardonnay, make it be a, a Chardonnay that meets the needs of what I'm trying to deal with that day. For sure. And keep it simple. Yeah. And I think that, that was really, and that brought a lot of the aspects of education that I had into the cannabis space because no one was doing that. And, and we also brought in a little humor. So we'd laugh at ourselves as these, it's, it's cannabis. So if you can't yeah. laugh at the fact that your mother-in-law is coming over and you need to like deal with that situation, you know, that's funny. I've got two kids and they're driving me nuts. How am I going to get through this day? You can laugh at life. So a lot of our branding and marketing was we're just laughing at people and and life and how you would actually end up using cannabis was really funny because those different situations I brought out soccer practice or you brought out, hey, I've got a this event going on or this the you know bachelor party or this going out with some friends or this is obviously pre-COVID. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was missing from the space too because again there was very stoner language and very Cheech and Chong vernacular going into the space. And then there was also this very medical serenity and bliss yep. and mindfulness terminology that was out there. Yeah. And we were trying to cut through the bullshit and just get to the chase and yep. have some fun with that. So what happened though? This all sounds, maybe it's just, you've polished your pitch over the years. You've sharpened your ox so that I'm ready to chop some wood. Where did this all lead to? Cause there's another chapter now too, where you've, you're, you've now sold Mosin mm-hmm. and you're returning to education. So can you help us understand that part of the, the journey? Yeah. I think part of it too, if you ask, we started off probably in the wrong space. We were building a lifestyle brand. And with that lifestyle brand, we wanted to have beverages and topical lotions. As I mentioned, we started in the vape pen space, which was a hot space. So that has its both opportunities because it was really one of the biggest growth categories when we started four years ago. And also that's challenging because you have a lot of other companies getting in there that have a lot more firepower as far as dollars behind them. Or they're vertically integrated, they're growing their own, they're manufacturing their own, they're selling their own. So their margins are a little better. We had very thin margins, so we couldn't play around too much and be aggressive with pricing either because we didn't have a lot of the funding that allowed us, okay, build out a loss leader, build the brand, lose a little money for a few years. And then we didn't 
get that. We didn't have that luxury. And then you get into what happened with the vaping category, with the national vape scare that happened yeah. a few years back. Uh, that killed us. One, because uh, we hadn't had a chance then to pivot into these other categories. And two, our users were the first to jump out of that, even right. though these were not mostly cannabis problems, yeah. they were mostly tobacco problems. So we weren't jewel and weren't using artificial flavoring sure. or even on the cannabis side with the vaping, it was these companies that were illegal on black market products and they were making things. Our stuff in California, things were so compliant. The rules were so stringent. I, I had more hoops to go through than things you'd buy at Whole Foods in the organic section. Like this yeah. would like, you had to go into those that were doing it right, like us. Really, the, there were no outside substances. There were only yeah. natural terpenes coming in. and But we got caught up in all yeah. of that. You're trying to develop the market. And then all that they're seeing is the risks of vape pens. So they just exited. They were the first out. Hey, yeah. if you're going to even exited vape pens, and maybe they stayed in cannabis inside it, I like it, but I'll try edibles now, yeah, or right. I'll try some other categories that aren't mm -hmm. less risky. Mm -hmm. I'll just go out of and stick with wine club, where now my wife, there's some really good cannabis beverages out there, which is something we had looked at that mix CBD and THC in there. And she drinks those at night. She's never, she's never smoked pot in her life. Yeah. Um, but she drinks those religiously mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. as opposed to having glasses of wine at night. It helps her sleep. It's yeah. less calories. gives her even less of a buzz in wine, but calms her down and relaxes her and does that trick. And I think if we had gotten and started into what was a smaller category like beverages or a smaller category like topicals, yeah. and maybe there was less competition and we could have probably grown a little smaller at the start, wouldn't have got caught up in that vaping crisis, which really, again, hit us hard because yeah. it hit everybody hard in the industry. But if you're a brand that's really focused on professionals and suburbans, the last in market, they're also the first out. Yeah. And so that was a learning experience for us and not having the ability then to pivot and say, okay, we're a lifestyle brand that's selling vapes, but we're selling beverages and topicals yeah. and, ed and edibles. And yeah, the vape line's going down, but the edibles are shooting up. Right. We didn't have it set up with those other three categories mm -hmm. at that time to deal with that loss. We were just all in on that category at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So then you got out and then what's happening now? You've come home. It's like a homecoming. Prodigal son has returned. That Betsy DeVos is gone and the Donald has moved on as well. Got a great new secretary of education, uh, new focus on education, some new funding towards education. There's exciting times. And obviously I've always, I'm a mission driven person at heart. And so being at a place where you can really drive the educational experience and help teachers and help students and districts fill in, there's a lot of gaps now you're dealing with post COVID and a lot of learning loss that, yeah. that's happening. I've got two kids that are been dealing with virtual education, both at middle school and at elementary school the last year and a half and, and seeing what they have tried to work well, but what some of the challenges are and what districts now are going to need to do to fill in those gaps. Uh, I really wanted to be a part of that. And I just both the kind of four years away and then the living it with my own children got me wanting to get back in now and seeing how obviously important education is and but being with a company and organization that can really help fulfill that we're excited at varsity tutors are coming into the k-12 space and doing some good awesome yeah really good stuff but mark we, we always love to ask our guests what else is out there in the world around you that is capturing your imagination these days i've known you for years you tend to be tuned into some things 
Are there other trends that people should be paying attention? Are there other things happening in the world around us that are capturing your imagination you want to share with our listeners now? Yeah, I think podcasts. I mean, we're living what's capturing my, my imagination. I think this is a great forum and seeing how this is going as a space where you know, the ability to have a good dialogue around a conversation that's not rushed like you would be in a certain other media situations and have a good go in depth on different topics and have podcasts that are, you know, maybe general in nature or, or some that are more specific into a certain given area. It's a wonderful way of educating uh, the general public and having conversations that people don't want to have, but doing so in a way that's comfortable. And seeing how that, whether I've got my kids and their friends starting podcasts and there are podcasts for kids about issues of isolation through COVID or things they're excited about when my kids have got a channel they do about playing knee hockey and seeing both the YouTube channels and the podcasts and just being able to like watching children to use technology to communicate with their friends and seeing some of the benefits of, of it, as well as some of the challenges that it brings on. I think it's been interesting to see a little bit of both of that because we live out in the suburbs of Los Angeles and watching kids communicate with technology socially and interactive, which we see as a real positive, my wife and I, versus just sitting by themselves and doing something. But really, whether they're playing a video game or on a chat or engaged in a channel type atmosphere where they're really collectively communicating and sharing information with their peers, I think it's been a good connective device, especially in these times. And then you have the other side of it where they, hey, they're out in their streets and they're riding bikes and it's like goonies in the suburbs of uh, Los Angeles, which is, I think there has been a period where that hasn't been happening, where kids weren't out on the streets and riding bikes and doing things outdoors and connecting with each other. And so seeing both of those sides happen with my own kids has been uh, exciting. Yeah. And then uh, last thing, uh, the, the name of the show is Trending in Education. Any thoughts on trends in education, or you were talking about your kids' experience? What's well, going to be interesting to see as we come out of this COVID experience, how, what things that have changed in the last year and a half will have staying power and what things will go back to the old normal. Yeah. And I do think that one of the things that's going to be imperative is how districts communicate and connect with parents. And parents have been so much more involved in the last year and a half in their own children's education. There's always been a parent-teacher triangle with the student, but it's never more po powerful than now that if those districts that are getting the technology correct, that they know, that teacher knows that there's an aspect during the day that the parent or the guardian is can and should be very involved in what's going on. So you have to, they need to know because they're helping their kids, they're working with them in ways they never did before. And that's a good thing if you're they're trained to do that. So mm -hmm. the ability to be able to connect with the home and making sure that those people are, are understanding what's going on, train professional development, mm -hmm. that's always tend to be geared to the teacher, but how much training are the parents getting or is grandma getting, or yeah. is the guardian at the house getting on whatever tools that child's on? And I got my kids and my middle school students on a, an entirely different set of tools than my elementary school student and those so that could be overwhelming as a parent too you're learning yeah. three different platforms four different software programs mm -hmm. and yet i got it in i come from education and i know a lot about it and it's overwhelming for me and right. i can do a good job with it but i can only imagine someone who doesn't have my background mm -hmm. trying to navigate those waters and i think the trend in education is those districts and schools that are going to be 
good at at connecting those dots for people because this is going to be with us for the long term. Even though kids will be back in school mm-hmm. more getting direct instruction, the, that triangle is going to need to be firm for a yeah. long time. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And to to tie back to your origin story, it sounds like that's a space where you're looking to operate as well. How did you know who can help those school districts and those teachers to connect not just to the student and the teacher, but also to the parents and the family? It does require folks with a wide range of experiences, and you've you flexed them so far in this conversation. So. As we're wrapping up, Mark, uh, thanks so much for joining. Any final thoughts, parting thoughts as we conclude here? No, I think this has been a great uh, conversation. I love what you're doing. It's great for the educational community to have an outlet to share some of these talks and talk about what is going on and what the trends are. And I'm excited to keep up and, and, and see what's next. Awesome. Mark Davis, back like he's been here the whole time, back in the world of education. Thank you for sharing your knowledge about education and also about the cannabis industry since uh, this is our 420 show and always great to have a friend on the show. So hopefully folks enjoyed it. Let us know what you think at Trending in Ed on Twitter. Uh, You can follow me on LinkedIn. We're also at trendinginteducation.com. Write us a review, share the love. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. 